There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Raj, thanks so much indeed for your text message. Raj getting in touch with us today. Uh, saying what a comeback by the Kiwis to win against India. Evening to you, Raj. Thank you very much indeed. 4001, if you want to send in your thoughts and your opinions, uh, do get them in to us. Or get yourself down here to Barasti, where the game is always on, broadcasting uh, from the top deck up here on the rooftop garden. Let's put in the picture. Halftime in the rugby. Six Nations rugby, that is. Yeah, Tom, it's halftime in Ireland. Well, I can tell you, it's the Irish leading the fixture. 12 points to seven tries by Jordan Laymore and Tag Furlong. Um, in the 32nd minute, one conversion there by Johnny Sexton. And for the Welsh, well, what a great try it was by Thomas Williams. The scrum of he's scoring there in the 27th minute, converted by Dan Bigger. I must say, it's been the Irish all the way. They dominated, but Wales have hung in with that single try. As I say, 41 minutes played, Ireland 12, Wales 7. And down in South Africa in Super Rugby, of course, it was the Lions taking on the Reds. And what I can tell you is the Lions have won that fixture 27 points to 20. 7.15, kickoff in about 10 minutes' time. It's the North-South Derby. The Stormers from Cape Town take on the Bulls from Pretoria. And as I said, that game kicks off at 7.15, Dubai time. Uh, let's get some other scores for you. Uh, we haven't got any Premier League football until 9.30 this evening. One result to bring you from a bit early on, though. Yeah, result from Goodison Park, where the home team Everton defeated Crystal Palace three goals to one. Goals by Bernard Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewis meant that, that uh, the uh, blue half of Liverpool will go up to seventh in the Premier League with that victory. Crystal Palace, will they remain without a victory since Boxing Day? It's a tough old uh, time for Roy Hodgson and his guys at the moment, but uh, good win for Everton at home today. They defeated Crystal Palace three goals to one. Uh, that's what's been going on in the Premier League earlier on today. There is football aplenty down on the continent. Uh, there's action in Germany and Italy as we speak. Yes, Tom, it's halftime in, uh, in Serie A between the game against Fiorentina and Atalanta. It's currently Fiorentina leading Atalanta by one goal to nil. In the Bundesliga, there are five games at the moment, and it's Schalke, Paderborn, nil-nil, Hertha Berlin uh, versus Mainz. Mainz leading that, that game by one goal to nil. Freiburg and Hoffenheim are deadlocked. Werder Bremen, Union Berlin deadlocked. Wolfsburg nil, Dusseldorf one. Uh, they've all kicked off, or uh, four, more, four more games kicking off in the Scottish Cup fifth round. Aberdeen against Kilmarnock, Ayr against St Johnson, Inverness at home to Livingston, St Mirren at home to Motherwell. No goals in that championship underway as well. Uh, one game for, uh, still uh, still ongoing from earlier. One result to bring you from earlier. Preston beating Wigan in the early kickoff. Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday are one apiece at the moment, with what twenty minutes left on the clock in that one uh, at present. Uh, all the other games just going under, getting underway ahead of the late kickoff. Nottingham Forest against Leeds. No further goals to report from the uh, championship. And as they do go in, we will put you in the picture. Um, quick question for you, uh, for, the, for the, the rugby boys. Um, this is the rumour doing the round. Is there a rumour? Is there anything in it? Um, South Africa joining the Six Nations. Yeah, I read about that this morning. They reckon after the 2023 World Cup. Tom, in all honesty, I, I struggle to believe that, to be perfectly honest. I think... The, the, the reason why a lot of people are asking these questions or that this topic is even arising is there's a big, big question mark around Super Rugby, around the championship at the moment. Is it really losing a bit of its uh, spice, if you want to call it as such? Does the tournament really, you know, need to be re-looked at the way the competition is run? I truly believe it does. But South Africa joined the Six Nations. Would I like to see it? I'd love to see it. I think it would be absolutely fantastic to be in the Six Nations, but I doubt it. I don't see it happening. I think if you're a South African fan, you'd, you'd bite their hand off now and take a place in the Six Nations. Of course. You play in the same hemisphere. The time zones aren't that different. We know the strength of the Euro and the Pound has taken many of the best South African players to Europe to play, so then they would come back into the mix um, in terms of national selection. And uh, in some ways, it makes a lot of sense. It, it wouldn't be good for the Southern Hemisphere counterparts, New Zealand, Australia, and Argentina. They'd be, they'd be sort of going backwards. So I guess let's wait and see. I, I, I don't know if it works. I don't know if the tradition and history of the... Six Nations really want to bring in South Africa, whether that's the, whether it's the right move or not. But um, they've got to vote for it, I guess. And if you're Italy or Scotland, you're probably going to vote no. So let's wait and see. I don't know how they'll restructure it. Will they, will they, will they keep a team in there? A two-tier, a two-tier um, tournament. So Italy dropping down and playing 
at a sort of second division. The likes of Georgia, Georgia and, and Spain and, and, and others, yeah. Tom, I, in, in all honesty, if I look at the Six Nations, and no disrespect to Italy, I would honestly, I would, I would take it back to being the Five Nations because I just feel over the years, Italy to me have not convinced me enough that they should actually be part of the top tier of, 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 the, of, the, of the nations or of the Five Nations. And to me, the tradition that, that is, is with this competition, the many years that it's been going, I, I don't quite see South Africa fitting into it. But as I said, if you, if you have to ask me as a South African now, given the opportunity, can we play in the Six Nations? Yes, I'd say absolutely. We, we, we take it with both hands. But uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done before that happens. You look at history and tradition and um, so much of the, the Six Nations and, and the former Five Nations is all about that. It's the 150th year of the Calcutta Cup this yeah. year. First played for in 1879, the 127th clash. You just can't wipe that out by bringing in you know, one of the big powerhouses, the world champions from South Africa. It, it doesn't make a lot of sort of narrative sense but again money talks the South Africans would love to be in there for lots of financial reasons uh, their players are there the time zone works the travel is just the same as probably going from, from South Africa there to New Zealand and Argentina in Super Rugby but then what happens with Super Rugby we've seen the two teams the Cheetahs and the Southern Kings come into the, the, the Pro 12 now the Pro 14 that's kind of good for their development players but then what happens to Super Rugby where do those teams play yeah. are they going to play in Super Rugby or are they going to come play in the, the Premiership or have their own Championship so there's a few question marks that need to be answered before it really becomes f- f- feasible. There, I think. There's no doubt about it. South African rugby football union is struggling financially, and I think you know this is the way where they're starting to chase chase the money. But I think at at the, at the end of the day, where does it end? What do the All Blacks join join the Six Nations, and then it becomes the Nine Nations, then bring in Australia, and then you have a, a mini World Cup every every year? Is that is that what we want? So yeah, Tom. I as I said, as much as I would like South Africa to play in it, I, I don't think it sits well. Uh, to your Archer's point, it's so steeped in tradition and, and it's been going for so many years. I just think it works the way it is. Leave it. A couple of other interesting uh, developments. And, uh, and one thing I, I wanted to talk about is, of course, the return of uh, Rugby League to the United Kingdom, the Northern Hemisphere. And what a season we have in, t- in, uh, in, 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 in situ at the moment. Already some great talking points in the Betfred Super League. Uh, and none more so than the game that's been played at the moment. Salford taking on Toronto. So the Toronto Wolfpacks with a certain Sonny Bill Williams. They've also been splashing the cash as well. Uh, they've come up into the uh, top league after um, uh, uh, being promoted from the uh, championship uh, last season. But not just Sonny Bill. I mean, some big names doing the rounds out there. Izzy Folau back with the Catalans. Some controversial names, I would say. Some controversial names, some big names. But you've got the Tompkins boys back. Burgess boys are coming back in as well. So rugby league seems to be in a, in, a, in a good place in the United Kingdom at the moment with these big guns looking to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've never been a, a big leaguey boy, but uh, my, my wife is from, from the north of England, and I tell you what, uh, I've been to a league game there, and it's like a religion, Tom. It's, it's, it's something off, off the charts, and, you know, you, you only realise how important this game is and how big this game is when you've actually been up there and witnessed it. And I think bringing in these, these superstars like Sonny Bo Williams, and yes, a lot of controversy around for, for, for Lau, but he, he's still a good footballer. It'll be interesting to see how he takes to the league. And as you mentioned, these big names coming back, it makes for a very, very, very exciting league up there. Give you a bit of news today. It's actually the Salford Red Devils taking on the Toronto Wolfback. Of course, Sonny Bill Williams playing uh, the star signing for Toronto. And he uh, will make his, um, well, not his debut, but he'll play his second match, I think, for the Wolfback yep. in that match in Salford. And I also can tell you that Israel Falau controversially selected um, by the Catalan, uh, Catalan Dragons. Catalan Dragons. Uh, a lot of teams... Have spoken up about they're not happy that he's been brought into the league. Even the league itself said we're not happy with it, but we can't control the decision. He is not in the Catalan squad for today's match um, against yeah, yeah. Wakefield, uh, Wakefield Trinity. So, I guess I guess all news is good news for the Super League, who do play pretty much second fiddle to, to Rugby Union. I think it's fair to say that globally and, and within the United Kingdom. But Israel Folau, I guess we can have that debate and be good to get everyone's thoughts. Should he be brought back into sport at all? Should he be playing in, the, in that league when he's pretty much been? Um, thrown out of, of, of professional sports in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly Australia. They won't pick him up in rugby league. They won't pick him up in rugby union for his very uh, outrageous comments and, and social media views. Yet the Catalan Dragons are happy to sign him and, and, and pick him. Yeah, so be good to get one you? I mean, if you look at it from a Catalan point of view, um, he's a game changer. Uh, to your point, CVR, he's a, he's a brilliant ball player. You know, OK, yes, he's got himself into, in, into trouble with 
sentiments and thoughts that I'm sure nobody around this table would agree with and, and, and seen it being him being sanctioned. But he's served, you know, he's paying the penalty for that. He's box you office. Can't stop the man from earning a living, can you? As, a, as an athlete, as, as a rugby league and a rugby union player, and he was an Aussie Rules player, he's box office. Unbelievable talent. Yep. Um, big, strong, tall, big in the air, fast, powerful. He's a complete package, and he's a game changer on the field. It's just a shame that a lot of that 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 brilliance that he shows has been overshadowed by some, you know, the controversial comments that he's made. Well, well to your point earlier, and one of the big reasons why, why the, the the league has has come up against the signing of him because uh, uh, because what the league are saying, or a lot of teams in the league are saying, is well, if. Israel is playing at our stadium. There's maybe a lot of people that won't be attending the game. There might be a lot of sponsors that aren't willing to sponsor the teams. And there could be big financial losses for these teams. And, and I guess, to your, to, to your point, Tom, great, great player. But there's a lot of, what should we say, other drama that comes with him. Yeah. And I, I, I am of the understanding that he is on a very short leash with Catalan Dragons, by all accounts. Apparently, his contract does stipulate that if he steps out of line once, then it is termination of the contract. But, I mean, in the interest of, you know, surely the guy's got to be given an, another chance, isn't he? I mean, it's, he's not playing down in Australia. He's been sanctioned by Australia. He's taken his skill set somewhere else. Yeah, and look, yeah, by all means, it, it, it wasn't his first breach. He's had a couple of chances, and he's continued to remain uh, extremely controversial in his views and opinions on a social media platform. So let's wait and see. Look, maybe he's uh, learned his lesson. Maybe he's uh, ready to move on with his life and uh, and sport will be better for it. But, um, yeah, I think he's pretty much um, the black sheep now down in, down in, uh, down under. No teams will touch him. No teams will pick him up for those comments. And uh, let's hope it goes well from at, at, at Catalan Dragons. Um, let's wait and see, I guess. And interesting to see he hasn't played uh, rugby union for a while. So yeah. it's interesting to see how he goes coming back into the code that is um, rugby league, how he fits into the into that sort of system of play. And uh, I don't think Catalan, are they a very strong team? Have they done well? Uh, they, they were last season. Um, and, then, and then they've looked to, 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 to sort of bolster the squad. I mean, they, they, they took a while to sort of establish themselves. Uh, last season, they, 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 they got back into, it had a couple of big results for them last season. Where do they play out of? Where, where are they based? South of France. Pepignon or somewhere? Yeah, somewhere around, around Okay, there. interesting. Because yeah. that's sort of rugby union heart, 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 you know, heart of the heart and culture of there in the south of France as well, isn't it? Yeah, indeed it is. Yeah. Cusford uh, beat uh, Wigan last night uh, in the Friday night football uh, in the Rugby League. Hull FC uh, took on their near, near neighbours Hull KR, 25-16 that one finished. And as Archie was suggesting, <coughs> Salford are playing Toronto at this very moment. Uh, the Sonny Bill Williams, Toronto Wolfpack. Uh, but it is the Red Devils who are leading that one by 16 points to four. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Danny Kerr. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, CVO, what's happening? Yeah, Tom, bringing you right up to date. 42 minutes played. Ireland are leading Wales 12 points to 7. Jordan Laymore and Tad Furlong scoring the tries for Ireland, converted there by um, Johnny Sexton. And, of course, Tomo Williams, the scrummer for Wales, scoring their five-pointer, converted by Dan Bigger. That's in the Six Nations. Of course, Super Rugby is happening to the Lions. have just beat the Rebels. Or should I rather say the Reds, 27 points to 20. That game was down in Johannesburg in South Africa. And, of course, the big north-south derby for the Super Rugby fans, the Stormers taking on the Bulls. That kicks off in about two minutes' time. Just a quick word uh, on local rugby here in the region. Um, I had the opportunity to pop down to the DC7s, the Dubai College, sorry, DC10s uh, a little earlier on today. Um, just want to say kudos, uh, congratulations to all of the organisers at the Dubai College uh, 10s. An extraordinary event over two days. Um, uh, attended, I think there was over 176 games, attended by uh, the several thousand kids, all different age groups as well. So great efforts and great to see sort of grassroots rugby being developed here. Yeah, my scouts are telling me that a young flyer for the name of Gus Urquhart had a very, very good <laughs> tournament there. So good, good to hear that, Tom. But yeah, I think youth level rugby in Dubai or the UAE, should I say, is very, very healthy at the moment. You know, the other day I was up at, uh, at the Sevens, I think it was one of the HSBC events, and, you know, the Exiles, the Tigers, uh, Hurricanes, there's just millions millions of these kids playing, be it boys, be it girls. It's absolutely fantastic to see. So, Tom, I think the youth rugby is in a, in a, in a, in a very healthy state. It's just a pity due to, you know, 
studies and, and, and kids traveling and parents changing jobs, etc. that we can't always retain all that talent in the UAE that, yes, they end up going to university in, in uh, you know, New Zealand or England or South Africa or wherever else they might be. And, you know, they can't play unless they've got a job due to visa restrictions and so forth. So, yeah, we lose a lot of that talent. But mm. at youth level, it's fantastic to see all the kids playing. Just a quick note on that one as well. So two days competition comes to a conclusion around about four o'clock this afternoon. Um, and from that, you've seen year six all the way through to sixth form. So year six, what age is year six? I should know that, shouldn't I? You should. I should. I'm, okay. I'm still with FS1, which I know is four years old. Uh, What's it, eight? Under sevens, under sevens, isn't it? Yeah, under yeah. sevens all the way through to under 19s. Um, and uh, DC tens this week. So I've just got a confirmation here. Yeah, the, the DES and DESK. So obviously the two uh, schools, uh, DES and DESK. Um, making a clean sweep, so winning every single cup division from under sixes or under sevens all the way through to under 19. <laughs> it's never been done before. I think well, a, a big congratulations to the schools and, of course, their coaches. I think it's an absolutely fantastic achievement. Great achievement there uh, by they. Uh, talking of rugby, let us turn our attention uh, to one man who is not featuring for England at the moment, not part of plans, uh, Mr Danny Kerr, no stranger to the UAE. In fact, he was uh, staying at the stunning Jumeirah at Sadiat Island Resort down in Abu Dhabi. Anybody been down there? It is an absolute beauty uh, of a hotel, and it's one that's uh, really doing a lot of efforts uh, onto it with regards to sustainability. Um, uh, and uh, our man Chris McCarty also got down there as well. He ca caught up with uh, Danny Kerr uh, in the Offside Sports Bar. Great spot down there with 15-plus screens, great food and more. Uh, and uh, before he previews tonight's Calcutta Cup showdown, what did Danny make of Eddie Jones's comments in the build-up to the France game that this England team can be the greatest rugby side ever? I think it didn't help, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it would have mattered what, what he'd said lead up to that game. The, Fr the French thoroughly deserved the win. They were the better team. Um, and England need to just re hit a reset button for this week because it doesn't get any easier. Going away to Scotland is not an easy game. I haven't won there in a, in a while. They're going to be pumped. They always enjoy us going up there. Yeah. Uh, and the boys are going to have to play very well because from what I saw of the scotland Ireland game, and the Scots are playing some good rugby. If they could be a little bit more clinical in the 22, they'd have beaten Ireland. It's so, been a struggle for us, though, clinicalness. It's... And if you're not picking your best player... Well, on that, actually, mm. your thoughts? Obviously, Too much of a maverick? I don't think so. I, I love watching him play. See what he's done for Racing and what he's done for Scotland over the years. And the way he's playing at the moment for Racing, I just think he's a guy you need, you need to have in there. But I understand there's obviously team Structure, culture and team culture. values. Yeah. And if he's stepped out of that, then there has to be a punishment at some point. I think we're gonna see, you're going to have to see him back in at some point in this Six Nations. I just hope they don't rue not bringing him in for this week because I think Hastings went so well at the weekend I thought he had a great game yeah he played well a couple of things he could have improved on but he's a young fly half yeah. playing, playing away in Ireland this week home home crowd against England I could see Hastings having a big game and I could see England I could see England losing oh, I oh, said it on, before man. I thought if England lost to France in the first game that they may lose again away in Scotland just because how tough it is and how much the Scots hate us with a passion there so it's going to be tough I think England have to play a different type of game they've got to, they've got to play a bit of a boring game I think against Scotland and try and beat them up physically play in the right areas give this think, man a kilt I think that's what they might do so it's going to be a great game can't wait to see it last one from me uh, England then not to win Wales to come through and win six nations who are you tipping oh, it's again I said France. whoever won the France England game would win the, would win the tournament interesting um, so I think, I think the French have set themselves up nicely. But England go to Scotland and win. I think England will win the whole thing. And after being omitted from England's squad for the World Cup, how did Danny approach it? Did he enjoy watching the competition? His admission uh, in this may surprise some of our listeners. No. 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 This, one, this one was really hard. The World Cup was really hard. Because it was the one where, you know, you speak to your family, your close friends, saying... You know, this is the goal. This is the ultimate goal. The goal I've written down for 10 years that this is the one I want to be at and I want to help England win. Um, and it was tough because I'd been there for three years in this cycle with Eddie and then got kind of hooked out with the last year with, you know, the biggest prize was still to, to go for. Yeah. Um, and I think when you still 
think you can add something, that's when it hurts the most. So it was, the, it was really tough watching it. Uh, and Did you watch it? I watched most of it. But I didn't watch the final. I couldn't watch the final. What um, did you do? I actually Super went to like an air hop trampoline park brilliant. with my, uh, with my little and, and, and Checking and Jody, the phone my wife. all the time or not? So my wife banned me from checking the phone because um, it's such a weird one because you obviously want the boys to do well. And I've, I've got so many good friends in there. But at the same time, do I want them to, to win a World Cup and me miss out? A lot of people don't, don't understand yeah. this, but probably, I probably didn't, if I'm being completely honest, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be there. And there was a bit of jealousy. But then I think at the time, when it got to the final, I thought, oh, do you know what? The lads are so close. They oh, deserve yeah. it. They deserve it. They deserve to win it. And I was, I was behind them. And then I checked my phone. I think I finally just nipped off a trampoline and <laughs> got the phone out and found out that it was pretty much finished and, we, and we'd lost. And my first thing was, was probably a bit of sadness because I, I, I knew how hard the boys had worked for it. The coaching staff, the backroom staff, everyone that goes into that four-year cycle had deserved to win a World Cup, I thought. But I don't think you can begrudge the team that they lost to. South Africa, Sia Khaleesi, you know, the... An unbelievable rugby story. Unbelievable on that. Just with the four-year cycle, you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone, and I know you're a a real observer and a real student of the game, Ireland, without a shadow of a doubt, peaked 12 months too soon. We spoke to Brian O'Driscoll at the uh, the golf earlier this year, and he said as much. He said, yeah, hold our hands up. We peaked 12 months too soon. The four-year cycle, an awful lot, Eddie, you boys yourselves made an awful lot about that. This is a four-year cycle. This is a journey. It must stick in the throat a little bit that South Africa get there, you know the word I'm looking for, together, 12 months out, and go and win it. Does it, does it make a mockery of this planning four years in advance? Look, I think this is where you, someone like Eddie, you said, I think was it 20, 2017 where we had a, a bit Did, of a lull? Yeah. We, and he said, I've planned for this. I, know, I knew this was going to happen because I know we'll come back and peak. And we all at the time were thinking... God, he's good. <laughs> he's, convinced he's, good he's convinced us. And we thought, oh, wow. And, and to be fair, to see the boys then rise again and go so close, you think, okay, he knows what he's talking about. South Africa, I just think it was written in the stars a little bit that they were going to win it. To lose the first game, the first team first to ever team. lose a game, to then win a World Cup. Um, but they were so close to New Zealand in that game. I think people forget about that. And everyone thought, Seven-minute oh. spell where New Zealand took the game away. Then everyone ripped South Africa off. And I think, you know, speaking to a couple of their boys, spoke to Faf de Klerk a few weeks after the World Cup, and he said, we were loving the fact that everyone thought that we were no good anymore and we couldn't wait to face England. They were desperate to play England in the final because they thought they'd, they'd, match, up they'd well. match up and they'd, they'd do them. And they did exactly that. And he was obviously very pivotal in, in that final. Uh, the thoughts of Danny Kerr there. Uh, let's get one more from Danny, and then, of course, we'll be introducing our special guest onto the show. Uh, we mentioned Israel Folau. Izzy Folau is back in rugby. He's been given a chance by the Catalan Dragons. Uh, so Chris McCarty, uh, being Chris McCarty, asked Danny, is he happy to see him back? Look, it's, it's a tricky one, because as a player, I think he is wonderful. One of the best, most naturally gifted players, one of the best players I've ever played against. Um, wow. He can do things that other people simply cannot do. His leap, his power. I've never seen a man jump so high. Um, a, a wonderful player. And you want to see players like that playing. I think the problem obviously is he's got these views, which is fine. Have your own views. But why do you feel the need to put them out to the public when you know you're going to offend some people? Yeah. That's where I have the problem with. Like Everyone's entitled to... Freedom, opinion, of, yeah. freedom of your opinion, but if you're then going to put that out on platforms that you know are going to cause offence, you should simply not, not say it, I feel. And so I can completely understand why people are outraged that he's got a chance to come back into the game. I'm not going to comment on whether I would make that decision or not. Um, I think it's sad that a rugby player of his talent, his whole reputation has been completely tarnished, but it's from his own doing. I'd like to know who's, who's around him, what people he's got around him, because I don't think they're helping him out at all. I think you just need one person to sit him down and say, you, you cannot, cannot say these things because you are going to hurt a, an yeah. awful lot of people. 
and he has hurt an awful lot of people and he's got a, he's got a, he knows that he's going to get that for the rest of his life and let's be fair he deserves it This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Game on down here at Barasti. We're up here on the rooftop uh, uh, garden, uh, overlooking the main screen. Good crowd in down here watching the Six Nations. Uh, One of that crowd is CVR. What's happening? Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you, since you've been away, it's Ireland that have scored through the number seven flanker, Josh van der Fleer. Fantastic line-out taken by the Irish, driving it over, and it's that hard-working flanker, van der Fleer, diving over for the try. That, of course, was converted by the captain, Johnny Sexton. Ireland leading this fixture 19 points to 7, 51 minutes played um, in Ireland. Uh, let's keep an eye on that one for you. What else is happening uh, in the world of sport? Uh, obviously, uh, action up in the Scottish Cup at the moment. Uh, Aberdeen against Kilman, no goals in that one. St. Johnson lead Air by two goals to one. Uh, Motherwell leads St. Mirren by one goal to nil. Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, Livingston. Uh, uh, Livingston uh, is nil-nil at the moment. Let's get over to Serie A, where we've got news of another goal. Yes, John, it's, um, it's Atalanta versus Fiorentina, and Atalanta have equalized via David Zapata. It's 66 minutes, and it's deadlocked at 1-1 at the moment in the half, Serie A. Half an hour on the clock in the championship at the moment. Uh, most of them are nil-nils. A couple of goals to report, though. Brentford leading Middlesbrough by a solitary goal, and Stoke uh, are up 1-0 against Charlton. And Derby have just taken the lead against Swansea as well. Uh, let's stick with football, if we can, because a uh, pleasure to welcome two the Grill, live down here at Barasti. Two very special guests, uh, two representatives of Dubai Amateur Football League. Uh, please welcome the Operations Director, Mr Neil Meldrum, and their Chairman, no less, Mr Dean O'Grady. Uh, Dean, Neil, thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. Good, Good evening. to be here. Uh, let's start with the Chairman first, to paint us a picture. Um, the numbers uh, are astounding. Upwards of just under 4,000 players now? Yeah, we've been consistent around twelve to 1,400 of the regular 11-a-side league players for the last um, eight years, really. Um, but we introduced casual football and seven-a-side football nearly two years ago now. And obviously, with uh, that sort of lower end of the pyramid allowing people to get on board... Uh, the numbers have obviously been boosted yeah. very, very much. So in terms of registered players across all the leagues at the moment, how many are at now? Uh, it's literally 30 at 100. Wow. So those are the registered players out there at the moment. In terms of the leagues itself, you've got four leagues, is that right, Neil? We've actually got five divisions. Five yeah, okay. so we've got Premier, Div 1, 2, 3, and then a Vets League as well. Okay. And in terms of the standards as well, that's what a lot of people will want to know. I mean, is it... A full sort of spectrum of standards out there? It's pretty good, actually. I mean, the Premier League, we've got ex-internationals playing there. As you move down, it's more, more casual, more social. I play in the Vets League, and I'm constantly surprised by how good some of the guys are in that league coming through, you know, 34, 35-year-olds. I'm a little bit older than that, but I can just about keep up, but it's getting harder. Yeah. And in terms, Dean, of, of that, I mean, is it, from your experience with the league and, and, and the things setting up and the interest that it's generated... Is it a good way for people to sort of get started in Dubai? You make friends, you meet new people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been involved since 2006 yeah. when I was playing and then 2007 when I started to run the league and I, I've saw you know, friendships, people become best men, people get married, not to each other, uh, come out of it. Yeah, um, amazing sort of things. And obviously with the uh, transient nature of Dubai, you know, those friendships as people come and go have uh, spanned the continents. But does that transient nature add to the leagues as well, or is that one of the challenges you face? It's it's a bit of both. Um, obviously, when you've got different cultures, different ways of playing, different ideology in terms of the application of the rules, um, it gives challenges, but it also gives amazingly sort of different types of play. We've got probably around 80 nationalities playing in the league. That's pretty consistent. Uh, year on year obviously as the demographics have changed in Dubai over the last 10-12 years so have the league demographics as well and from an operational standpoint I, I remember coming here 12 years ago and, and, and being a cricketer and there's barely any cricket pitches to play on mm. is finding facilities a, a great challenge to give everyone a fixture and to give everyone the, the best conditions you can possibly find, get it depends what kind of facilities you want so there are facilities in Dubai but it's really difficult to find good quality grass pitches and that's what we've got 
So we use the sevens in Jebel Ali Center of Excellence. I mean, they're UA for standard pitches, yeah. and our players really respond to that because, give you an example for me, I came here having played Saturday, Sunday in the UK, thought I'd hung up my boots. I was amazed to find out what was available here with the structure of the league, the 11 aside teams, and the facilities are just fantastic. So I'm still playing, and if I can play, I think a lot of people probably still can. I think it's the pitches that allow him to play for so long. <laughs> yeah, could <be>. It could <laughs> well be. In terms of uh, so facilities, obviously one of the challenges, that, 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 uh, given the, the, the numbers we're talking about here. Uh, what about the weather, though, as well? I mean, is it, is it, what, what, what are your sort of times of the year that you're playing? I think people have actually got a bit more lightweight as time's gone on. Uh, I remember when I was here, you know, 2006, we would play seven aside in the summer outside all the way through to the start of August. And you know, May, 42 degrees was you know, just the start of it getting interesting. Um, but nowadays, yeah, the 11 aside season follows the traditional September to, to sort of April, May period. And then we play small sided uh, throughout the summer, but generally indoors. Uh, obviously, once you get to August, it's just prohibitive to do anything else other than. And what about what about the the sort of process? If people are listening out there, they want to give it a go, they want to come and try it. What is the sort of the pathway into the league? How do people get involved? So we actually set up a digital platform earlier this year, oh, yeah. which allows people to contact us through the app available on the App Store and the Google Play Store, DAFL. Um, they can contact us via the website, they can catch us on Instagram, and that gives them a chance to come into the app, register, and then they can choose where they want to play. So we'll schedule games every week, and as long as people are registered to play, they can choose a game, they just turn up, we organise the teams, and as Dean says, it's a great way for people to connect with each other and make friends. Neil, is there a fee involved in registering? No, registration for the casual football is free. Um, we actually have a wallet facility, so you don't even need cash on the day. We allow you to preload a wallet. You choose your game, it's deducted, and you just turn up and play. And, and then there's, there's also, talk to me about one of these features, because you've got a transfer list as well. That also is very, very serious. It, it is. Well, I mean, it, it was a way for us to actually bridge the gap from social to 11 aside, because you've got guys coming down just playing casual football. Some of them are good, some of them are a bit shy. And we actually said, well, put yourself on the transfer market, on the app. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We've got a few budding Ronaldos and Messis in there. <laughs> most people are pretty realistic. And they're just looking to connect with the team. And maybe they don't know people very well in Dubai. But it's a way for them to say who they are, how old they are, where they've played before. And then managers in our league can come along and give them a trial, basically. Um, the casual football that you've, you, you launched recently, was that on the back of demand? Do people want more casual football? It was a bit more than that. Obviously, over the period of time that the league has ran, the standard has just naturally got higher and higher. As we introduced the, the fourth division the, in 2012, we envisaged that would really be like social football and very casual, but the standard just got pretty high. Yeah. And we noticed that there was a lot of people coming along and they just it just was too good for them. The fitness level was too high. And so we knew we needed something else. And so casual football was effectively bringing a new bottom of the pyramid into play. Yeah, and it's been a huge success, has it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, you know, we're trying to play casual football on the very best, best facilities. Yeah. Um, you know, we play indoors and outdoors throughout the year. Yeah. And yeah, up to now, it's been a resounding success. Obviously, we take on feedback. We're always trying to improve, just like we are with the 11 aside league as well. Bit of a naive question. Do, do, do females play? Do you, do, have they got their own league? Have they sort of tried to mix it up with the, with the guys at all and sort of any mixed competitions? Is that, is that, is that the ladies is currently in a bit of a sort of transient position. Um, a, a lady called Kat Lukic, Lukovic, um, she ran the ladies league here for over 10 years. And I think work took over her life, just like it does for a lot of people here. And I think there's been a bit of a void over the last sort of two, three years. But it takes an incredible amount of work for the ladies because obviously there isn't the numbers that there are for the guys it's still relatively new and when Neil talks about that shyness for guys who want to get involved there's perhaps even more of a shyness for, for ladies who you know they, they maybe haven't really played before and yeah just getting that first step of involvement so we've tried and started to do a few casual games for ladies we have a long-term view of trying to get more ladies involved but we do understand the immense amount of work that it does to to get that going is, is it an opportunity though because 
we've seen the growth, the extraordinary growth uh, of popularity and playing numbers of women's football the world over at the moment, and uh, obviously breaking records left, right and centre. Is there that potential here in the UAE? Yeah, I think so. So my daughter plays football at school, but it's difficult to find somewhere out of school the same way you would do with rugby or netball to get her involved. So we'd love to try and develop something along that that gave ladies and girls a much more varied opportunity to play football here. In terms of the, the, the league as well, interesting times for football here in the region. We've seen the first uh, of the foreign players now being recognised for the UAE. Three players now in the last couple of weeks getting their UAE uh, papers and passports to play for the national team. Um, again, given those sort of moves, I mean, I, I suppose what I want to know is, is, is there much of a relationship between the amateur league and the professional code here? We... Are a sort of we're a non-affiliated league, so we do operate to FIFA standards in terms of how the leagues run, but we're not affiliated in any way, shape, or form. We are a residents' league. We are strictly amateur, and we there isn't a crossover at the moment. Obviously, we form a valuable grassroots and community part of the growth and development of football in the UAE, but. At the moment, there isn't a huge connection between the two parties. I've met with uh, various parties of the UAE FA over my sort of 12, 13 years of tenure here. Um, And great things are happening and great things are starting to happen. As you know, the law changed a couple of years ago that now allow expats to get involved at the professional level here. And I I think that certainly the next two, three years, we'll start to see those seeds of change happen more and more. Have you ever seen, I mean, do you, do you foresee a time where some of the best players may sort of progress and get picked up by some of the pro clubs? Is there, is there, a, is there a pathway for that actually to happen? We've seen it in, in leagues, you know, where, where non-league footballers sort of come or youngsters burst on the scene from sort of amateur football and get, a, get an opportunity. Is that, is that a possibility here? But Absolutely. I mean, we've had players that have been part of the league and obviously they've been developed through some of the fantastic youth academies that are here in Dubai of which there's a number and a lot of those have gone overseas and whether that's to coincide with their live-in or whatever but we haven't seen them come through the local leagues I think that will change I think as people see the UAE league as being open now as it is and for people to understand that they can participate absolutely that will develop yeah, I mean, we've got teams in the league that are made up of academies, sort of 17, 18-year-olds, and the standard is incredibly high. I mean, they may not go on to play professionally, but the fact that they can come and play in a very good standard division within our league, I think really helps their development. Do you, do you believe there's any player at the moment, especially in that under-18 section, that maybe could go play for Al Jazeera or Al Nasser club in the, in the near future? I don't think there's any reason why not. It's just a question of whether or not they see football as a as a career for them here or whether they're you know busy with studies and that kind of thing. So a lot of sixth form kids here are very, very education-focused and they also don't get taken on by professional clubs at an early age here and then farmed through the system. And how, how does it work sort of commercially? Is, is the league sort of self-funded? You either have sponsors, you have some media partners... How does that sort of uh, the business side of the league kind of operate uh, to keep it yeah. keep everyone sort of uh, in footballs and in, in grass pitches? Well, football is an expensive business here in Dubai, as anybody who's tried to book a pitch will know. Um, we've got partnerships with uh, a few local companies. We've got a big one with Burjil Hospital, who are specialists in orthopaedic medicine, sports medicine. That's a pretty useful contact to have in, in some of our leagues. Um, it's something we're looking to develop. So as part of the digital platform, I think we've got a really good shop front now that partners and sponsors can actually participate in. One of the things we started doing is we started recording all of our matches. So the technology is now at a level where it's cost-effective for us to actually trial it. The response has been incredible, and people want to watch themselves play football. (laughs) Unbelievably. And so we're planning to record every single match of every division in the near future, which is going to give us a really good set of digital content that we can then take to partners. And if anybody wants to sponsor goal of the week, goal of the month, we're, we're all ears. It is interesting times for, for football here in Israel, and I just wanted to sort of get your thoughts on that, given the time that you've spent here and given the time you've been involved with the game as well. Um, the, the city, 
the Emirates have become no stranger to big name teams coming over for warm weather training, for uh, individual training at some of the facilities around. Is there the potential here for, and I use this word hub so many times uh, here uh, in so many different industries, but is there a potential for it to become a footballing hub, do you think, moving forward? I think that's already happening. Um, over the last two years particularly, I've noticed a lot more teams coming over here. You know, this is sort of becoming the Middle East version of Switzerland, whereas you know, people, teams from around the world go and train in Switzerland for the summer. They come to Dubai for the winter. Um, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that was only perhaps two, three, four, five teams over the whole winter. Now, it's probably 20 or 30 already. Uh, so the potential for that as well, I think, is pretty unlimited, really, because the demand from teams for good space, good accommodation at the same time, there aren't many places that can offer that in a way that Dubai can. I think what I've noticed as well in the last few years is the big teams from around Europe are really investing in academy setups here. Now, how much of that ends up with kids being fully developed and through? I'm not sure. Some have come and gone. Some have made it work. Some are successful. Man City, very successful. Liverpool tried it, didn't work very well. La Liga tried it, didn't work very well. But there are, is a, is a much greater interest in, um, in, in kids and kids' development here. And is it a sort of double-edged sword to a certain degree? Yeah, it's great to see these teams come over. It's great for kids to be looking up and seeing who's, who's knocking the ball around next to them. Or can it be a bit of a problem when it comes to pitches? Yeah, you've actually hit the nail on the head. Um, obviously, one of our facilities is uh, the Jebel Ali Centre of Excellence at the Jebel Ali Shooting Club. And unfortunately, that's still closed. Uh, normally, uh, we get back on there this next week, this sort of second week of February. And unfortunately, with teams still being here, it is closed. So we are restricted away from Jebel Ali at the moment. So it's almost a sort of... Uh, we've seen it down the ICC, haven't we? The Cricket Academy, with a number of the local teams that use the ICC facility not being able to get time on the square because of the big teams being in here. Yeah, I think it's a challenge in this part of the world. And in the decade that we've all been here, the facilities have moved on a lot. I mean... You're talking the day when the cricket pitch was at Taj Yelling, it was a it was a sand pitch. And, and and same with football, I'm sure it was played on sand or compressed dirt pitches for a long time. And then obviously growing grass is a challenge in the Middle East. But uh, things have changed. I mean there are some absolute world class facilities now within all the, all of the Emirates and I guess everyone benefits from the grassroots level up to the professionals. Well, one thing I could, could sort of add to that scenario is I think overall that's a, it's a really positive thing yeah. that we're now, you know, struggling for pitches in this winter period because it shows that there is an opportunity for operators to yeah. build pitches and potential facilities along with those pitches because the demand is there. Yeah. And obviously up to now, there's been a lot of trepidation in investing in grass pitches. But with the interest that's now being demonstrated, well, the interest is there. Get on with it. Build some pitches. Lots of people texting in their thoughts. Do keep them coming through. 4001. We've had an, a request or an inquiry about... Uh, teams. Um, we mentioned individuals uh, getting involved, and uh, then you pairing them with a team, with with a, uh, a a team or otherwise. What if people have a team out there and they want to get them in the league? Is that something that happens? Absolutely. I mean, that's the easiest thing to do if you've got a team established and set up, and you've got enough guys who are prepared to play every week and will commit to it. We're more than happy to get them involved in the league, and then you know they will tell us how good they are, and we decide which league that we can put them into. And what, what about the sort of the future? I'm just looking at the fact that, you know, we're now talking about five leagues. You're talking about the, the, the Premier League all the way down to League 3, the casuals at the league are going on as well. What, what is the potential? Do you have to, as, as, as management of this brand, be careful not to overexpand too quickly? I think it's not a flight to numbers. It's a flight to quality. Um, obviously, there is a ceiling on what you can do in a city. And I think that we're probably approaching that ceiling, certainly in terms of Elona's side. I think we have more potential in our small-sided because the pyramid uh, at that level is a, a lot larger. But our emphasis over the last 18 months has not just been on expansion of that bottom level into casual and small-sided, but also in quality. You know, we're investing in our own bespoke app, which is still under development. It's already a year in. It's probably got another year to go. Um, I look globally for an app and that sounds very dramatic but there just wasn't anything that really suited football use because most of them are so generic 
because they're for tennis or rugby or Gaelic football or uh, American football, basketball, etc., etc. So they don't really hone in on the precise elements that a league really needs to run. So, yeah, the, the app is one. Everything that we're trying to do in terms of officiating, the video content, the branding, we're just trying to push everything a lot higher. Just yeah. talking on officiating, I was saying, is that, is that a challenge as well, finding guys to referee and, 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 and get, do that part of it? Because it's, it's, we often take it for granted, don't we? You know, with, with many sports and, 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 you know, with cricket, you need umpires and rugby, you need the referees. But is it the same with football? You take it for granted that there's enough referees yeah. around to yeah, actually yeah. get out there and do it. Referees are so important. Uh, it's one thing to have teams, facilities, but if you don't have refs, you can't have a game. We're very lucky. We've got a very dedicated core of refs who've had experience in some um, decent leagues in Europe. And they're very loyal to us and, well, a big shout out to them because we couldn't do without them. It varies in numbers and Dean will tell you that sometimes, you know, the referees move on from Dubai and, and it's difficult to get them. But what we've actually managed to do now is introduce linesmen as well into the Premier League. So the numbers are there, we've just got to hang on to them. And do you, do you I mean, in terms of training them and running, running camps, can you actually sort of get referees and, and train them and accredit them and, and give them a qualification or just try and get them up to standard where you can come with no experience but you're really interested you can't play anymore but you're interested in refereeing so come and learn as they sort of do during classes or workshops for refs unfortunately we, we can't do any official accreditation uh, that's a an extend extenuating circumstances process but what we do is we effectively try to train them on the job and you know we'll get guys who have a great knowledge of the game but have never refereed before and we'll start them off with friendly games we'll get them involved in small sided then we'll get them involved at the lower ends of the leagues and encourage them and give them confidence so really refereeing as much as about experience it's also about confidence and confidence in making those decisions that sometimes are tough just think about it as well with 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 the rise in interest here. How much how much interest are you getting from abroad? Do you get touring teams looking for opposition, etc.? <laughs> What's going on here? The Black Cats, maybe. If Sunderland want to come and play, I'm happy to put a team together to play them. We, we might even win, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, we, we get inquiries uh, for people who want to come and play and are interested in playing against our teams quite a lot. And then we do try and connect the teams together to make it work. One of the things we'd love to do in future is, well, the football sevens, yeah. right? And it's an obvious thing to do. It's been tremendous success with the rugby. We, we have a good partnership with the sevens stadium. And I think one of the things we would like to do is, is to establish a football sevens type tournament. Things like that do exist, but I don't think anyone's done it in Dubai to that level of, of professionalism and, and that level of success yet. I don't think Neil was here in 2010 when I did it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was called the Emirates Airline Football Sevens, oh, and it's yeah. still the largest football tournament that's participation tournaments ever been held in the Middle East. We had uh, around 300 teams, 3,500 players on one single weekend at the Sevens in March 2010. Why aren't we doing it again? If you'd have been party to that weekend, I didn't sleep for about four weeks. <laughs> but there is that potential there, isn't there? And, 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 and when you see that the success that the, Emirate, that the Rugby Sevens has had and using that as a sort of focus throughout the year... Um, if, if, if there were enough sponsors on board, if there was enough interest out there, that would be a perfect sort of scenario to help kickstart. Yeah, absolutely. And joke, joking aside, we we are sort of now we're sort of getting a lot more professionalism in, into the yeah. league in terms of the way we're structured, the, the way that we're organised. It is probably a natural step, but we don't want to do it before we're ready. Um, you know, we've talked about having a sevens tournament this year, but we just felt that there was far too many priorities uh, that, that were over it. But certainly in the future, it is something that we are very, very eager to do, but just at the right time. Talk to me as, as well, if you can, about, about competition. I think one thing we all know is that uh, this is a city that is growing very, very rapidly. Population is growing rapidly as well. Uh, and with all success come uh, pretenders to the throne, come those that want to set up as well. What, what, is there any way you can sort of protect yourself against breakaway leagues and things like that? Well, we could tell them how much hard work it is. <laughs> that normally puts them off. No, you're right, you're right, Tom. Um, 
it's good that people are playing football. It's great that people are playing organised football. All we can do is to have the best facilities, the best organised, most professional league here. And people will come to us, and we've been we've had very good customer loyalty. Our teams have stuck with us for a long time. You know, if there were other competitors out there that were offering a product as good as ours, then people would have the choice to move. But typically, we, we don't see that happening. And in terms of what uh, you mentioned, what's new for uh, with the app and the sort of digitization of the business and things like that, what does 2020 look like? Obviously, a lot of focus on 2020 for a small event that's taking place up there uh, in October. Could, could there be any sort of bleed overs with, with some of the big events coming to, to the UAE this year? So, um, funny you should say that. A friend of mine is uh, working on the Expo team. Um, we've had some conversations about the kind of activities that they're doing. Um, I will say, watch this space. Nice. I'm trying to persuade him that it'd be a good idea to have a football facility there that, you know, DAFL teams or people who are just coming from outside the region want to play football and we can, we can organise it through. I think there's a lot of potential there, definitely a lot of potential. If people want to find out more about the league, how do they go about it? What's the, what's the sort of starting point? DubaiFootball.com, which um, it does exactly what it says on the tin. You know, we are the football league in, in Dubai for amateurs. So go to DubaiFootball.com. From there, you can get the links to the DAF app that you can download. You can register through the app, put your details in, and from there, you can get yourself on the transfer list if you're interested in playing for a league team. Or if you want to play casual, you can literally sign up for a, a game on the spot. And in terms of sort of restrictions, I mean, is there an age limit? We've got children aged 14 15 playing in a couple of teams in the league we've had children as as young as 13 playing and bear in mind the only restriction is ability and obviously the understanding that you're participating in a men's league and men are men and they don't take prisoners when you're stripping them down the line Um, and then we've got guys at the other end of the scale age you know 50 plus 55 plus and Certainly in the past, even at the top level, we've had guys age 50 still playing in the Premier League. It's all about ability. If you can play at the ability at the level, doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what your age is. There's hope for us for then. Hope for us all. Young Tom. Hope for us all. Uh, and just to reiterate as well, so open uh, for, for uh, uh, women's football and girls' football also if people want to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, as Dean says, DubaiFootball.com. Visit us via the app. You can get us on WhatsApp and uh, YouTube channel as well. Um, fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having a chat with you. Um, and uh, Neil, you haven't checked your phone once, have you, throughout, the, throughout this little chat? It's half time. In the championship, oh, sorry, in League One at the moment. Sunderland, nil, Ipswich, nil. So things going all right? That's not bad. It's about as good as we could expect. <laughs> <laughs> so if Neil's a Sunderland man, Dean, your team? I'm a Leicester man. I'm one of these people that I used to enjoy being a Leicester fan when we were really <laughs> rubbish. And then when we won the Premier League, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you're a Leicester supporter. I'm just happy supporting a bad team. You've got to be loving what's happening there at the moment, though, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, it's a great setup, and the, the wonderful thing is that he's not just focused on short-term like many managers are absolutely driven to do by the, the, their owners. And, you know, Brendan's got some real, real good potential there. Yeah. And in terms of all things Sunderland this the season? I'm hopeful. Good. <laughs> Ever hopeful, yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't like to say any more than that. I've been disappointed in the past. <laughs> Mate, you've got a West Ham fan in front of you, so yeah, you know, I, I could, I, we can, uh, we can feel, we can share, uh, commiserate together. Listen, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Just one final time uh, for all those listeners out there, if they want to get in touch with the league, best way for them to do that is DubaiFootball.com or go to the App Store for DAFL. Best of luck. Uh, we'll certainly stay in touch and find out new developments uh, in the coming months. But for now, thanks very much, Dean. For thanks, thanks, guys. guys. Appreciate it. Big thanks to the team there. We'll post up all those links uh, onto our sites as well so you can get in touch with the crew at the Dubai Amateur Football League. Let's take a short break when we come back into the third and final hour of the show. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.